Thank you, Dr. Scott and uh, choir and orchestra. Thank you, Bells, for leading us worship and blessing us today. We continue in a series, A Deeper Life with God. If you didn't know that, it's on the cover of your bulletin, so it's right there for you to see when you came in the door. We're working on that for several weeks, one more week of this series. Uh, Pastor Caesar will be preaching next weekend for me. I'll be in prison preaching there, so I'll be busy just preaching to a different group of people. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to that. I know you're looking forward to Pastor Caesar preaching for us again next weekend, so, so be aware of that. We're thinking today about prayer, partially what prayer is, what prayer is not. I'll say this, your presence in church is a prayer whether you prayed or not. You may, did, may not have prayed the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you weren't paying attention. Maybe uh, you just didn't. Uh, maybe you've not had a time yet to really focus on God. Maybe not, but your presence here is a prayer. So please keep that in mind. Think about what prayer is and what prayer isn't. But here's a premise I'm going to begin with today. Uh, as, as Sharon pointed out, she and I got to lead part of uh, the training for Stephen Ministers. I had two hours, and she had two hours of that training yesterday. And we began by saying in my group that we live in a culture that we believe is spiritually impoverished. That means that, our sp that in poverty spiritually. I'm not sure how many know what poverty really is. My, both my parents grew up in poverty. They had nothing growing up. I've seen immense poverty in different parts of the world, Africa and Mexico, and even in this country. So I know what poverty looks like. But often people don't know they're really in poverty. They're not aware of how little they really have because they can't compare it to anything else. So many people live spiritually impoverished, not, not aware that's where they really are in their life. We're talking about prayer today and what that is and how we kind of enrich ourselves with that beautiful practice God gives us. I'm, I'm going to show you some, some prayers that kids have prayed and written out to God and what some of those prayers say, and I'll begin uh, with number one here. Dear God, I think about you sometimes even when I'm not praying. Love that attitude about simplicity of I'm a child and God and that honest connection with God. Second one, dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. <laughs> Is that a prayer? Is that a good prayer? Is, is that the way we should pray? Yeah, sure it is. That's a great prayer for a child and an adult and anyone else as we think about what is prayer and what it's not. We often get prayer wrong. Second, thirdly, third one. Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? <laughs> the logic of a child. They probably miss the theology of resurrection in heaven that's in the Bible, but nonetheless, they got that idea about it. It makes sense that James said that. Thank you for the baby brother, but what I really wanted was a puppy. <laughs> I'm not going to ask how many here today had a sibling who wanted a puppy instead of you. And that might have traumatized you in life, and you're still doing therapy trying to recover from that long-term <laughs> problem. Sam said this, dear God, I want to be just like my daddy when I get all big, but not with so much hair all over. That's really thinking through this prayer business, I think. And, and, and now, if, if you're that daddy, we don't want to know. Just keep that secret to yourself. Do not tell us. Okay. We, we, we read in, in, in that, that Thomas Edison made light, but in Sunday school, they said, you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. <laughs> Sincerely, Donna. And by the way, he did. He did steal God's idea. Did a good job of it. Dear God, I, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? 
Now, I've done a thousand weddings in my life. There's occasionally a wedding I'm thinking, no, that's not okay. You're kissing way too much. Just stop right there. So, now, Dear God, if we come back as something, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton because I hate her. <laughs> you ever pray like that? Yeah, sure you have. Sure you have. You didn't say it exactly that way, and you certainly missed the teaching in Hinduism about reincarnation, but we were praying that way. And I love those prayers because they know a lot more about prayer than some of us really do. They've got it down maybe more clearly and more than we do in our life and what that means. Jesus said like this. It was in Revelation, these are the words said after resurrection, uh, the words written from heaven to you and me in the book of Revelation. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone hears, opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him or her and they with me. You know, we're talking about this, just this friendship and this living together in faith and sharing and loving and enjoying and, and serving and needing kind of way. I love that concept and the door is open when we pray. However we pray, as I said last week, the only bad prayer is no prayer. That door just remains open. So prayer is releasing. Releasing a prayer to God is like opening a door that will never close, turning a light on that will never go out, beginning a relationship that will never end, and a journey that will go on and on and on, no matter the ups and downs of life and how God is faithful in that journey. I love the idea about how prayer works. Uh, I know my mom and dad, some know this already, that they prayed for my brother and I. I have an identical, identical twin brother, if you guess, you may not know that. And they prayed for us at our baptism, uh, and they prayed for us then. And those prayers are still being answered uh, 62 years later. Still being answered. It opened a door that never shut. Even though I had 20 years where I didn't think much about God at all. I was more, more, more worried about my shoes, probably, in those years than I was about God for those tw first 20 years of my life. Get a sense of prayer and how that works. The prayers you prayed years ago are being answered right now. Prayers you're praying now may not be answered until eternal life comes, but God's prayers release, release in our life, continue on and on and on, expanding, growing, dynamic, amazing kind of ways. And today we want to look at a prayer. It's Matthew 6, 9 through 14. Linda read those words from the NIV translation. We pray those pr prayer in church uh, regularly uh, from the book of Matthew, Mystery of Prayer the Lord's Prayer. But before we go into that, I want to share this with you about prayer in, the, in that time in those days. In the time of Jesus, people really didn't pray very much. The, the, the average person in Israel just did not pray. Prayer was left to the rabbi uh, who was competent enough to do so, or to the high priest in a very special time of ritual, are to one of the religious leaders like Pharisees or Sadducees who would pray on street corners, and Jesus points that out. they pray on a street corner, long, memorized, rote prayers, often for hours. And he said, you do that to be seen by everyone else who's going to say, what a great, very religious person you are. And he actually condemns that. The idea of a spontaneous prayer just did not exist for the average Jew at all. And so they asked Jesus, who they knew uh, was this amazing Messiah, They'd seen him work a lot of miracles already. They'd seen him walk on water, calm the storm, uh, heal uh, crippled people and blind people and deaf people. He did amazing things. They already knew that about him. They also knew that he prayed on occasion. He went up the mountain there and prayed. And he'd come back. He did that all the time, it seemed. Go up in the mountainside and spend time with God. And so they said, Jesus, 
Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I have no idea what their expectation was, but here is his teaching. And we're going to put that prayer up for you to see, the Lord's Prayer. And it begins like this. Our Father. Now, when you hear that word, you say, well, sure, I prayed that prayer for years. We prayed it already today. I prayed it a bunch of times already this week because I've had multiple services today, preached last night, so I prayed it a number of times, prayed it throughout my life, different times and seasons and different days. But that's not how they prayed. Uh, The high priest would use the, the name Yahweh or Jehovah only in the holy temple. That's where that name was used. They might use Adonai, Elohim, grand names for God, majestic names for God, awesome names for who God was, and and truthfully so, and good names for God. But but to say the average dirty fisherman or tax collector to get say, like Jesus said, just say our Father, that was unheard of. You can just say our Father to Jehovah, to Yahweh, won't we be struck dead if we do that? There was a season when they thought that would happen. Our Father who art in heaven, the God that is, the God that created, the God of Israel, the God of all that is and ever will be, just call him Father, our Father. You know, so I don't think Jesus intended on offering us a a new rote prayer, though it's good to pray it rote. That wasn't his intent. His intent was to teach us what prayer should look like. Those kids know what prayer should look like. They know exactly how they should pray. Uh, They're unhindered. They have no concept of what it should, other than just talking to the God that is their Father in heaven, and they, and they talk to God like that. Lord, Lord, I, 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 I want to I grow up one day, but I don't want hair like my dad. And that's what they say, and that's how they pray. So they understand things, and that's how it should be understood. Hallowed be thy name. God, you're such a good name, a a holy name. I love your name, God. I love calling you Father. Hallowed be your name, Heavenly Father. I I want that in our relationship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We say that so many times, I think we overlook exactly what we're saying. We are so outcome-driven in our own understanding of faith that if I do things correctly, if I pray prayer in the right way, if I have enough faith, if I give the right amount, if I, if I have a good day and I don't mess up too much and I pray at the end of that day, then I'm going to get the outcome that I desire, want, think I need, and that's what I'm really looking for in my Christian faith. There are many who live their faith out just like that, and they're almost always, if not always, disappointed in that very faith because they didn't get the outcome they asked for or wanted. Jesus said, just say, God, I want your will. I know you love me. I know you're smarter than I am. I know you're all-powerful. I want your will. I think think that's what I want. And, and And I want your kingdom in my heart and life. I want to live and breathe the kingdom of God and what that means. What is to walk with God, submit to God's authority, love God, let God love us and serve him in the world the way he calls us to in all the ways that that's lived out for you and me. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Give me my daily bread. I know you're the provider of all good things. It all comes from you, God. I recognize that. And that's daily bread, which is not just bread. It's everything. It's all good things poured out upon us. Even a beautiful, cool fall morning is 
daily bread and what we had to eat and what we'll have to eat and all else is God's gift to us, God's faithful act providing for us. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive, forgive those who trespass against us. You know, God understands the world you and I live in. It's not easy. He knows we mess up, we fall short, we make mistakes, we even sin. So God, forgive me. I, I want to live in your grace and not my ability. I want to live in your love for me and your grace poured out upon me, not my able to live and keep every rule I think I'm supposed to keep. I want to live in that. That's right. I, I want to live in your grace, God, and not in my activity that's good or bad. That's where I want to live. And in that same concept, uh, I, I, want, I, I want you to lead me in my life as I forgive other people, which is a common recurring thing for all those who love God, love God that way. And, oh, Lord, lead us not into temptation. Uh, if I'm li- left to my own devices, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to mess up. I'm going I'm to be where I don't want to be. I'll become who I don't want to become. So, so lead me, Lord, not into a place where I fall away. Lead me into a place where I'll come closer to you and draw to that place of faith and gratefulness and love you have for me and what that means for my life. You know, saying, thank you, God, for this, it draws me closer to you. Thank you, God, for this moment. It draws me closer to you. And that may be a difficult moment, a difficult season. The woman who said, I, I thank you, God, for this disease because it draws me closer to you. I can't resent that because that's what it's done for me. Thank you, God. And deliver us from evil, from that which would destroy us. For it's your kingdom, your power, and your glory forever. The Lord's prayer is friendship with God that's worded, fleshed out. This is what friendship with God looks like. Friendship with the Heavenly Father can be fleshed out in words for you and me uh, to celebrate. It's right, it's good, and it's real. And Jesus said, I give that to you. The remarkable things about the, the Methodist revival began 200 years ago. And it was a Western revival, really, that went beyond just a traditional church, an existing church, or even a new church. Just a Western revival. John Wesley, who began that, uh, they had wrote prayers in as well, called the Book of Common Prayer and other prayers. He gave the credit for a revival that swept England and the New World, and America especially. He gave the credit to spontaneous prayers, which people didn't do then either. They didn't do this praying to God. He gave the credit to that as one of the high points of that revival, how special that is. Well, there are four things I want to give us teaching points for prayer. First one is this. Prayer is our nature meeting God's nature. It's it's on your message page if you want to take notes. Prayer is our nature meeting God's nature, which is why I began with and love those children's prayers. That's the nature of a child exactly how they're wired and who they are. And they turn simply and cleanly toward God with who they are. No apology, no explanation. This is just me, and here I am, and they come to God, and God meets them at that point, the miraculous way God meets all those who pray with that open door coming in and joining them in their life. And so our nature is whatever our nature is. If our nature is this, if it's broken or damaged, that's our nature. If it's doing well, whole, then that's our nature. But our nature is always our need. It's always our limitations. It's always the boundaries we have in our life. It's always the things we cannot do because most things we need really can't do for ourselves. It's always that. That never really changes. We're always the one who sins, and God's always the one who forgives. 
That's all. It's never going to reverse that. It's never going to change and become the other way around. We're, we're, we're the ones who hurt. God's the one who heals. We die. God raises the dead. There's our nature. You know, we, we find ourselves in tears, and God wipes the tears away. We, we're confused, and God points the way. We worry. We fear. We doubt. God calms, gives peace, and is faithful. We love. God loves. And here we find life that matters. Prayer is our nature, meaning God's nature. I love that understanding of prayer, and that, that's a living, moving thing as we connect with God through prayer. Your very presence here today is a prayer, even if you have not prayed. And yet the very words we say is also prayer as well. Some have, some have heard this story, but I want to share it today because it speaks to truth of my own life, understanding of prayer, my concept of prayer, having prayed for lots and lots of years in my own life. Uh, three and a half years ago, I went to the doctor, went to the hospital here, uh, wasn't sure what was happening, turned out I was having a heart attack. I remember laying in their emergency room when the, doc, when the doctor said, okay, you're, I thought he was going to tell me to go home. He said, you're having an incident. Your enzymes are up. I've been around a while. I know exactly what that means. And I thought, I'm having a heart attack, <laughs> you know, here. So my first thought was, I better guess, I guess I ought to call my wife. She's probably going to want to know this. So I called my wife, Ron, had to track her down. She didn't have her phone with her. So we finally got her to the hospital, and she got out there to be with me during that season. Uh, and then it came time to go in there and have some calf. For those who know what a calf is, they run a tube uh, up, uh, in my case, uh, uh, up through my leg and up into my heart, see what the, where the damage was happening, discovered 100% blockage, and then put a stent, which is a metal tube in there to allow the blood flow to get to my heart. Thank you, God, I had no damage uh, at that point. I'm grateful for that. Uh, but I want to say this, as I headed into a time to be sedated and to go in there into the time that the doctor was going to do whatever he was going to do, I, I, what do I, I guess I should pray. So here's what I prayed. I said, Jesus, I have trusted you. I trust you. And I will trust you. And that was it. Uh, after 43 years of praying every day, uh, after teaching other people to pray, after praying in church, the Lord's Prayer, who knows how many thousands of times, uh, there was no exotic prayer. God, heal me, make, deliver me, set me free. None. It was just, Lord, I, I've trusted you. I trust you and I'm going to trust you. You know, that was the prayer. And I celebrate that uh, as a sense of what it is to have friendship with God and simply our nature meeting God's nature. Well, secondly, prayer is moving from an attitude of control to trust. An attitude of control to trust. I've already mentioned that we are very outcome-driven. It's a very American, Western way of thinking. And so when we approach God, we have an outcome typically in mind. I want to be happier or I want this miracle, or I want this result, I want this to go well, I want this job, I want this miracle, I want this healing, I want this person's life to straighten up and do better, I want whatever it is I'm looking for from God. And those are appropriate things to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. That's part of a walk with God. But we mature as we begin to move to a place uh, where we go from control to trust. You know, we have this story, it's an amazing story about, uh, about the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, we have this, uh, this time that, that Adam and Eve meet the devil. And the devil says, if you, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. Uh, Eve says, no, God says, we'll die if we eat the fruit. Well, after a while, she begins to believe the devil over God. And what he's saying to her is, if you eat this fruit, you'll have the power, control, and ability God has if you eat this fruit. Then things will be so wonderful and so good and so perfect. 
You know, that's really what he was saying to her. If you eat this fruit, you will have the control and the ability and the power that God the Creator has. Won't that be wonderful? The world will be perfect then. They were, wait a minute, they're living in the Garden of Eden. And still, give me a bite of that. We have to trust God. Peace with God. Uh, Walking with God. Friendship with God. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane facing the cross. Not my will but thine be done. This could be stopped. God, I'm all for that. If we could prevent this, okay. It's what he prays. Take this cup from me, Lord. I'd love to have that happen. I know how hard this is going to be, but not my will but thine be done. God, I trust you. Trust your love, your wisdom, your power as this human consumed by the divine. It was divine consumed by humanity. It comes to us to be our Savior for all of us. How special that is. A week and a half ago or so, I did a service. It was on a Saturday uh, for Taryn. Uh, Taryn was uh, 39 years old. She died of breast cancer. After a 15-year battle, uh, she, had, uh, two, she has two, had two teenage sons and a husband. Uh, Pastor Sharon and I got to pray for her right at this altar uh, a few months before that time that we lost her. And there at the last, she deteriorated very rapidly, made her way to a local hospital. Uh, there I got to go a couple times as well to pray for her again. And then it came time when she passed away for her services, which I led. In those services, I got a chance. They gave me a copy of her journal uh, that she had written things in for the last few months. Remarkable words, very personal words that they, fr- they freed me to, to say and, and to read and share. A lot of prayers for other people were in there. A lot of Bible verses written out in there. Psalm 23 was one of those. I love that part. Uh, she had, in parentheses, got to walk, me through the, walk with me through the valley of the shadow of death. For thou art with me. Had that in parentheses there in the entire Lord's Prayer written out. But she also had in that, uh, and, and talking with the family as well, the season where she prayed, God, I want to be healed. Uh, make me well. Our prayer was for that. But toward the end, she came to this place where she simply said to her family and all those around her, you know, and and I'm going to try to paraphrase what she said. You know, God, I'm going to give all this to you. It belongs to you. I belong to you. You know, and I'm going to trust you. Whatever your will is, I'm going to go with that. So her last really words written down and and spoken to everybody, I'm, I'm going to trust in your will. I'm going to go with that. Where does that come from? Knowing that God loves us, so, so surely Christ's cross is the proof of that. Knowing that God is so wise, he sees and knows far beyond our very small picture of life and death and everlasting life. And he's all-powerful. The resurrection is a key moment that God gives you and me. He says, you can trust me, even death will not win in your life. That's the assurance of prayer and saying God's will be done and what that means for you and me. And how important it is to understand God's will that way and prayer and that concept as we grow in our faith and our walk with God and submit to God in that way. Well, thirdly, prayer is more about the relationship than the result. I'm going to tell you in my own life, I have experienced what I consider many miracles, praying for others, praying for myself. I won't spend time naming what those are, but I could. Many times God opened a door I thought could not open. God gave an answer that I said, Lord, 
what a miracle that was. Where God provided a, a, a blessing that, uh, that only God could give me. So my life's full of those miracles. Yours probably is too. But it's still more about the relationship we have with God than that. It's about that. It's about friendship with God. And Jesus in the Lord's Prayer says, let me show you what friendship with God looks like. Our Father, who heart in heaven, I love your name. Oh, Lord, I want your will and your kingdom to come. That's what I'm looking for in my life, you know. He could have said all kinds of things. He could have prayed all kinds of prayers. He could offer all kinds of suggestions or requests. Insert requests here. He doesn't do that. He says, let me show you what walking with God really looks like and what a life of prayer can look like in all the ways that it's given to you and me. It's more about the relationship than the results. It's connecting, knowing, loving, walking with God. And fourthly, prayer is entering a partnership with our Creator. And I really worked hard on that line to get a sense of, of, of what it is to walk with God. And the word partnership came to mind first in that, in that understanding. Now, you know that partnerships are not always equal. They don't have to be. You know, there are many partnerships you might have in your life that are not equal. Uh, this is a equal part. This is not an equal partnership. Uh, the longer I've been a Christian, and it's been a long time, the more that I realize how small I really am, how limited I really am. Uh, I, I learned that more and more. The more I know, the more I know the Bible, the more I live my faith out, the more I serve God, the, the more I grow in understanding the world I live in, the, the more I learn about everything, the smaller I realize I really am. But in the same light, how big the creator of all that is really is. And how he inserts his life in our presence through Christ and what that really means. And so when I realize that partnership and what I've got, it sure makes life work much better for me. And I find peace in that assurance. God's got it. God has got it. And I'm going to go with that in my life. And that type of prayer, understanding of prayer in our walk with Almighty God. Prayer is entering a relationship with our Creator. We started today with simply children's prayers. And Jesus said you must become as a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. To walk with me, you must be a child. You must be honest. You must be who you are. You must be straightforward and clear in that relationship. And let me be your God. And just be who you are in that relationship. And there's peace in that place coming that way where it's no longer about the outcome I'm looking for, but we can ask for those that's appropriate. It's about the God that I love who first loved me. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you for prayer and what it is to have that deeper life with God and what it means. And God, here we are today and near the end of a worship service. And God, you know we already had prayer in it a couple times, and an offertory prayer. We had a Lord's prayer. We had a pastoral prayer, and you know we we had time to pray before services started. We had time to prayer here and there during a song, you know. And some of us did, and some of us didn't. But God, our presence is our prayer right now. Just our presence here, in Your presence, is our prayer. Our presence of reality of who we are. That's our doubts that are on the table. That's our fears and worries that are on the table. That's our brokenness and our addiction that's on the table. It's our family, 
our loved ones, our friends, our world. It's on the table. That's our concerns about life. It's on the table. That's our soul. It's on the table today, God, as we hear your promise to simply open the door and you'll come in and join us at that table and eat with us as we eat with you. God, this is what we want and we ask you for that. Giving us, giving you who we really are and our real nature and God inviting your nature and what it really is to join us. That's our prayer in Jesus' name today. Amen.